Are you an intellectual who likes to get a little ratchet sometimes? Can you have lunch with your corporate co-workers, but still get some respect in the hood? Welcome to the show for all the misunderstood women who exist somewhere between the boardroom and the trap house. We are Two Bees in the Trap. It's Britney, bitch. What's up, guys? Episode three, we, we in this thing. That's right. We in here. Three episodes deep. Shit's <laughs> getting real. <laughs> it is. It is. <laughs> so we're your hosts. This is Brittany W. I'm Brittany M. And we have our fantastic superstar producer with us today, Shireen Hemingway. Shireen! <laughs> yo, Shireen! <laughs> What's going on? Hey, everybody. Thanks for having me today, guys. Yeah, Thanks for joining us. we're excited. So today's episode is titled Bougie versus Boulet. Mm. And we're going to be exploring both terms, bougie and boulet, um, and how they've been historically used to describe, you know, more well-to-do or wealthy black Americans. However, these terms are, you know, they seem to be kind of creating a greater divide beyond just their socioeconomic differences. So we kind of want to look at what makes someone bougie. Like, what, mm. what do we consider that to be even? And what exactly is the boule? Um, What's the allure, the appeal of these two classifications? Are these terms also synonymous with the concept of black elitism? So this week's episode, we'll explore these ideas along with a look at what we consider to be a few of the, the primary pioneers that kind of helped create these terms in the first place. Mm. Um, so, yeah. I'm excited. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's pretty interesting. So I thought it'd be cool for us to just start off by defining, I guess, boulet and bougie. bougie. Okay. So by definition, at least according to Webster's, uh, it's a, a boulet is an legislative council of ancient Greece consisting first of an aristocratic advisory body and then later of a representative senate. Um, but as we know it as African-Americans, boulet kind of took on a, a different uh, yeah. mm-hmm. meaning, but still on a, on a basic level, mm-hmm. it's a source of elitism. Yeah, it's the first black Greek letter organization, um, technically. Mm. Uh, and your boy, Dubois, Dubois. <laughs> was actually a member. Webb, as I used to call him. <laughs> I feel like I need to sing Boulay like, Boulay! <laughs> I know, I know, and it's funny because you know the AKAs they call their uh, their their what their annual no not their annual what is what do they call I don't know how often I don't know about their business but I know the thing is called a boule okay but it's like but there's actually a boule organization you're not supposed to know those things whoa they talk about their stuff I'm sorry we can take that out. <laughs> no, not like I remember, like growing up, like if I tried to touch my mom's Delta book or like Eastern yeah. Star. Oh yeah, no, no, my no. Grandpa you go well, no, no, this is <laughs> a Delta is with an AK ain't, so I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is that's this is just what I know. I guess from having friends that just, are AKAs, okay. like how we go okay. to our regional conferences. That's right. Their but thing I is called a boule. Yeah. Okay. Heard it. Um. So. So where did that where did that even start from? Where did boule even? You know, I don't know where the actual term, but it's actually, there is a Greek letter name for it, which is the Sigma Pi Phi, and it was founded in Philly in 1904 by some man named Dr. Henry McKee Minton. Uh, so it was him, two academic doctors, a dentist, a physician for professional, social, and cultural enrichment and engagement. I don't, that sounds like somebody like made up a title for themselves. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He was probably just a lame-ass nigga that wanted to be down. <laughs> 
but I mean, no disrespect. Out, but look at the the group they were to get. Like they had some some nice professions in here. They, had a they business. did. They had mm-hmm. somebody with social and cultural enrichment engagement. Yeah, that's that BS title. Yeah, it is. Again, <laughs> so, mm-hmm. But that's that basically. Um, a supervisor. It was like, ain't nobody came to see you, Otis, but give yourself a title. What? Pretty <laughs> much. But do what you do. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, they, clearly they wanted to have what they considered at the time these black elite, like high status, you know, people, I guess, in the in the community or society. Um, and they actually met, or they still meet, I guess. I don't I don't really know. Um, but biennially? By, by, by Fun fact rumor? What's that? Kobe Bryant's family? Mm-hmm. Uh, part of the the boule, really? He comes from a high class family in in, in in Philly. That's part of the. Story. You know, thinking about this now, are they like trying to be like the Black Bilderberger Group? Mm. They just don't have as much wealth. Ah. Like they can't touch that amount of wealth. But I think that's sort of maybe what the the idea behind it was, possibly. Possibly. Huh. Just not enough support. Not enough money. <laughs> support money. <laughs> <child> support. <laughs> support. Yeah, support. not enough power and money. Um, right. But yeah, so I, you know, when we think about Boule and like the extensions of those, like like you said, Kobe Bryant's family, like celebrities, elected officials, mm-hmm. um, organizations like Jack and Jill, even I think right. could be considered uh, part mm-hmm. of that. Okay. Uh, the links, mm-hmm. you know, these are people that move in certain, you know, certain ways in the community where they're actually making decisions for the the greater community, um, whether they might hurt us or or benefit us. But I think well, we'll get into the. Whether they hurt us, yeah. <laughs> Is that like the B613 for the black community? Mm. I have questions. Yeah. See, we don't really know how deep this thing goes. Because when I started really looking at Boulay, I was like, this is kind of, it's getting a little scary. Um, especially when you look at like the entertainment industry and things mm-hmm. like that. And the, you know, what are they, when they meet, what are they even talking about? Like, you know? Mm-hmm. Right. I don't light, know. Light skin things. <laughs> Light skin, light skin, light skin, skin, skin. Shout out to my nephew. No, because seriously, some some fa- some of the most famous mm-hmm. right people in Boulay, uh, Dubois, Martin Luther King, he was in the middle, and then who else? Benjamin E. Mays, Dr. Mm. Benjamin Mays. Yeah, Herman Cain though. I imagine um, in the early days of a Boulay, you probably had to have a fairer, lighter skin to get certain things yeah. accomplished. Like so, most yeah. things. Yeah, so, I mean, that's just the history of America. Even with HBCUs, right, I remember um, being told that some institutions, like you had to send a picture of yourself. Mm. Um, and if you didn't have a certain complexion, it could possibly work against you to really? get in. Yeah. Really? I used to get teased for being black, and now I'm here, and I'm not black enough. Because I'm not acting tough or making stories up about where I'm actually from. Yeah, but I just roll with it, mama. And this is at HBCUs. This is like back in the day, but um, you know, I don't know how true that was of, of each HBCU, but I do remember just hearing something about one. that. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, like admittance was kind of, you know. So you're just not black enough to go to our school? Is that what it is? I don't. The, the paper bag? I, I, yeah, something oh, similar to that, I guess. Yeah, yeah. And I would assume it would be probably more so for some of those black ivies as opposed to the A and M's and things like that. Mm-hmm. The the Booker T mm-hmm. mindset. We're gonna we're gonna get into that. Okay. Um, so when we when we look at you know I guess some of the most notable black men throughout history that are kind of part of this boule. Um, we talked about Dubois already. We talked about Martin Luther King, got Benjamin E. Mays, Whitney Young, Arthur Ashe, John Lewis even. Um, Good trouble. May he rest in peace. Yeah, yeah rest in peace. Yeah. Herman Cain too, right? 
you know. At least he had a good time at that last rally. Um, <laughs> man, he was having the time of his life. He was excited. I was hoping the rally didn't come up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. How can it not? How can it not? How can it not? Um, Ron Brown? <laughs> Remember Ron Brown? That was uh, he was a politician. Didn't his plane go down and they never recovered his body? What? No, I didn't know about that. Mm-hmm. When was that? Like '96. Dang. Yeah. Eric Holder. He was part of uh, Obama's cabinet. Yeah, that's oh, right. Eric. Eric Holder. Yeah, Eric Holder yeah. was pretty pretty cool. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not Arthur familiar. Arthur Ashe. Cricket. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know. He, he, did, he did a lot for tennis. He definitely That's true. That's true. Tennis, That's what I'm saying. He's part of that that sector. So they need of it. the entertainment yeah. part. You, we okay. need you to be in the forefront. Well, it was probably every industry that affected mm-hmm. culture mm-hmm. And, yeah. and made money. Yeah. Okay. There, there was probably somebody, a sergeant, lieutenant in every little industry. Yeah. Makes sense. Exactly. I'm not familiar with Kwesi Mfume. Kwesi Mfume. Um, hmm. It sounds like a delicious meal. No. <laughs> I haven't had breakfast, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> that name, I, I know that name. Sounds like a nice Ethiopian dish. It does. It sounds amazing. <laughs> I need breakfast. <laughs> oh, look okay, at him. He was, he was an guy. American politician who's a U.S. representative for Maryland's 7th Congressional District. Oh, Maryland. Oh. Okay. DMV. I, I'm pretty sure it's Baltimore. Originally, it's not Kwesi Mfumi. Hmm. Okay. Well. He looks like a Leroy. Is it one of those <laughs> Muhammad Ali situations? Mm-hmm. It looks mm. like it to me. Ah. Okay. He looks like a Leroy. Okay. Cassius Clay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so, you know, we have this, like, you know, boule working behind the scenes. We don't know what they're talking about in these meetings, but they're clearly still a, a, a very, like, like strong... Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. like society... Black, the black version. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's, that's sort of under wraps, but they're doing things here and there to kind of influence... It's handled. Culture and... B613. <laughs> I said what I said. That didn't come from just out of thin air. So right, they yeah, they have agendas, that. I'm sure. Yeah. yeah. Okay. For, for sure. But when we were kind of digging into the bullet, we also saw that they were directly opposed to people like Marcus Garvey. For Absolutely. Um, and were very much against his whole Pan-African, back-to-African movement. Yeah. His entire movement. Right. Yeah. So why do you think that was? I know they have a lot of, you know, articles and things that were out there kind of like, a, a, I guess, speculating on why they were doing this, but... Well, there's several things that are going on. So... Mm-hmm. Um, one of them being that Marcus Garvey was not the right color. Um, this beef got so deep, like it was, it, it was to the point where they were calling him a gorilla. Oh like Dubois was a part of this. Like we talking about souls of black folks, <laughs> talented ten. Threw all that out the window. Nah, I mean, you a gorilla. <laughs> oh, like Dubois, oh, monkey looking. Dubois, yeah. Can't sit with us, ass. So they oh. they gu him, okay. <laughs> right, right. Wow. And, yeah. and so, and then I think part of his, you know, because um, Garvey was about, you know, he represented us going back to Africa, mm-hmm. right, creating our own lands. And of course, these elite people are like, no, like this is, you know, we deserve to be here. Well, it took money out of America. Correct. Right. We went back to Africa. And and, and these these people were more about assimilation. 
right? Through yes. integration, and through so, education. Yep. I feel like I, I feel like I'm turning into Farrakhan right now. <laughs> we start dotting the black community with businesses, opening up factories challenging ourselves to be better than we are but you're absolutely right though because see that's the thing that the, the undercurrent of the boule that's really problematic is the fact that it was kind of helped they, that the people who helped create it were white people white people in power we're going to create this this mm -hmm. uh yeah we're going to create this group for y'all but y'all still pushing our agendas mm -hmm. like y'all are going to help and everybody else stay in line that's why it was able able to succeed correct right correct. yeah correct yeah. But but to to Dubois' credit, toward the end of his life, he realized the error. Um, it's too late. His, uh, <laughs> so much late. damage. With yeah, yeah. But like he moved to Ghana. Um, well, I think he wound up dying in, in, dying in, in Ghana at like ninety five. But it was Ghana like couldn't in save the him. Fifties, right, right. It was like the fifties and sixties before he actually yeah. realized like the I was I had it ways. all wrong. You yep. know what I mean? And like you said, it's too late. Too late. <laughs> but you know, I, at least he, I guess, I don't know. Sometimes with that type of stuff, I'd rather they just be quiet because that's just like the woman who admitted that she lied on, um, yeah, on her deathbed. Like, I wish well, I could go. Alive. Oh, that's right. She's, she's like just old in, as fuck. In Raleigh and Durham. I, I will. That's why right. she not in jail? I would beat the. I would beat that old white lady's ass. Let's talk about it. Right. Why? Why she, is she not she, in jail? She, she still she lied. lied she lied under oath. It's right. Surgery. That's why true. Why she not in jail? Hmm. That's a long old constitution. Yeah. They, it's like basic constitution. You lied. See, that just goes oath. to show they you. They still it, arrest Nazis. And, and, and exactly. admitted that you lied under oath. How you still chilling at your house? But that's the problem in this country. They don't never actually punish people who like commit treason and perjury. Mm -hmm. Like even the people who were talking about seceding from the union, all of them should have been dead. That's right. All of them should have died. They should have been killed. That's treasonous. What are you talking about? Just a few days ago, people they, ran up they, on the Capitol steps. They're not arresting sister girl. Somebody said for that. they wanted to secede most recently. <laughs> do it. Yeah. I want them to do it. Do it. Yeah. Yolo. Probably some stupid like Florida or like Mississippi. <laughs> if Texas ain't trying to do it no more and they were basically operating as like their own country at one point, I, then... I just knew California was and I was ready mm. to move to Cali. This sounds like an exodus yeah. happening in Cali right now. I don't know, but if they decide to leaving. like dig or something bury and push away in the Pacific, I might have to get a canoe. Cause <laughs> this East Coast ain't working out right now. I feel you on that. The, the West south. Coast is really where it's the at. South it's is, the South is it's giving me a headache. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Then that, we're gonna talk about that because um, <clears throat> Brittany, you're from the South. Yes. And I am not from the South. Mm -hmm. But we've had similar experiences in our blackness. And then, Shireen, you are from South Carolina. Dirty murder me. So I, I got a, a culture shock. Yeah. Yeah, South Carolina, they had the most slaves, the yep. most African presence. Yep. Um, oh, they remind you. Um, my field trip in uh, middle school, we went to a uh, plantation and uh, mm. were asked, did you get the option to pick cotton? So, uh, that was growing you, up in the you, South. You pay, you pay. I didn't, but it was an option as an activity on the field an trip. Activity. <laughs> an activity. An activity. Oh, wow. Welcome to... It's an experiential yeah. educational wow. activity. Please recreate your experience as Strong a... Strong Thurman. But you know yeah. what? I mean, it wasn't just 
the black kids. It was it was everybody. Class, but it was still like. But that's not too far fetched. When I was at Eagles Landing High School, we actually had a uh, a, a week Georgia. Stockbridge, Georgia. That's across the street from Myrtle Beach. <laughs> Pretty much. Uh, <laughs> if we're looking at it nationwide. <laughs> And they had us do an exercise. I guess this is another one of these experiential educational exercises that they were practicing at this time. And had us recreate what it would be like to be on a slave ship. They took the desks and they, you know, huddled us in together and made us get really, really tight. And was like, so this is what it was like. I'm like, no, the fuck it was not. First of all, it was way worse than this. We're not even talking about the conditions where people had to use the bathroom on top of each other. And but the fact that they thought we're going to turn the lights out and Put you guys together and, and, and barricade you in with desks. This is what it was like. Can Do you feel you, it? Can I tell you guys a secret? <laughs> Remember in um, gym class where that big thing you threw up and then everybody got under and tucked in? Oh, okay. I, I always felt like that was a little slave shipish mm. to me. A little piece of me was like, I want to get out of here. Yeah. I doing that. Yeah. That's all I just wanted that, to say. That was. We did some weird shit. Like, what was the point of Pass that? Pass the time. We yeah. weren't learning nothing. The South Carolina education. I'm, I'm gone. Yeah, we're yeah, not going to talk too, too poorly <laughs> of South Carolina. They did give us the greatest uh, children's show ever, Gullah Gullah Island. Oh. Benya Benya Polly Moore. But <laughs> they didn't let Jamie Harrison. But, okay, we're going to come politics later. <laughs> Just put your foot in my hand. Um, let's play together. In the Gullah, bright Gullah. sunny weather. I did like Gullah Gullah Island. Though. Yeah, it was, it was fun. And that smile. It was, it was like. The, the black guy, right? I mean, he always smiled. It, it, it was, yeah. it was like plastered there. I don't think he ever not smiled. What did he look like when he wasn't? That's smiling? what my mom said. He's a grinning ass nigga. He always grin. If I saw him not smile, I was thinking he was sick. If, if he walked up on me and wasn't smiling, are you okay? Everything fine? Let's talk about it. Yeah, yeah. Y'all need y'all y'all really need to to check out more about the history of uh, the Geechees and the Gullah mm-hmm. people because mm-hmm. they have been able to preserve. Yeah. Some of that African identity that we've lost. Y'all yeah. boy better look, y'all. I got yeah. a little bit of April you, 3. Are you, are you? Just a little bit. No. Okay. Okay. I know. I know that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, that's dope, though. Because, two, I remember when I went to St. Thomas, they still have, like, the, like, I don't know, I don't want to say gallows, but the area where they sold, when they would come into the port, where they would sell the slaves at, they still have those. Because it looks like just doors that go to nowhere, mm-hmm. just on the mid, like, in the street or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, wow. Like, you can... In my mind, I could visualize like them putting up slaves there and auctioning them off for sale. Like yeah. it's still there. Have you, you know? guys been to Charleston? Anybody? Well, yeah, I know Charleston has it too. Yeah. yeah, it has a lot of historic places where you will get a crash course. On Is that near Isle of Palms? Because mm-hmm. okay, Probably, yeah, uh, forty-five minutes. Yeah. Okay, okay. Mm-hmm. So Barbados actually has a very close tie to South Carolina. A lot of slaves. Um, were transported from Barbados. So some people say that if you listen to the Geechees and the Golas and then you listen to somebody from Barbados like a Bahan, they sound similar and mm. some of that, that culture mm. is still there. So that's, that's At some point, I'm sure everybody that lived near the water met each other um, because okay. there's a lot of similarities up the coast. Okay, okay. But yeah, for sure. Um, but I, I know when we talked about kind of looking at this whole evolution, I guess, of uh, of Boulé, seems like Garvey was sort of like, in a way, maybe that, that middle ground a little bit, because you have Dubois that was really clearly on one side. You mm-hmm. have Booker T that was also clearly on, on, a, on another side. He wanted to push, you know, industrialism and traits and skills and right. things like that. Um, 
but they never really insert Garvey into that conversation as though it wasn't really kind of happening at the same time or that this mm-hmm. discussion kind of needed all these different perspectives in order for us to find our, our way in it terms black of... black or white. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, but when we think about Booker T, what do you guys, what did you guys think about the Booker T versus Dubois thing? I mean, I know this is sort of like a, like beating a dead horse to some extent, but... I'm like the, the literature <laughs> jump in first. Yeah, so, you and I have had this conversation uh, for, for a while. Mm-hmm. <sighs> I don't think either one was wrong, right? So, basically, Dubois believed that black power right, could come through integration and education. So he was a Harvard grad, Mm -hmm. but he came from um, wealth as well. He he was a a mulatto. Is is that okay? Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, I mean, that was the word. Okay. Uh, Well, they're they're, they're trying to cancel it, apparently. I heard that. He was a big lotto. Well, yeah, I mean, (laughs) you know, at the time, that was the word. So let's just use the word. By the way, mulatto, if you ever listen to this, please do not change your name. Come on, man. Like. Really? What? what? What is it gonna be now? Like, what? No, no, you worked hard that. to build your your. I'm, okay, we'll, we won't go there. So so <laughs> so he was um so he basically believed like you know this was this was our country right and we could assimilate and integrate and that we were America and that the black agenda shouldn't be pushed back because at this point we're still like three three fifths right. right? So that we needed to fight for our right to be considered Americans and it should not wait right. any longer. It needs to happen today. It needs to happen now. Right, right now. Right, right now. So he was a bit of an elitist. Uh, I saw Cornell West and, and I was watching something with Cornell West and Henry Louis Gates and they mm-hmm. basically said like, you know, he was, he was the nigga who, you know, wore the, the tux. And, uh, hello. <laughs> And, you know, he wouldn't be somebody that we would really want to talk to. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But he, he was an idealist. Like, here this nigga come. Right. <laughs> <laughs> they said he slept in a suit. <laughs> As so, so when Cornell West and, Hen- and Dr. Henry Louis Gates shade the fuck out of you, you yeah, know you were an uppity right. Negro. Yeah. You were an uppity Negro. So, so Get your life together. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So he would have been somebody we considered a square, right? Mm-hmm. But... Um, Booker T. Washington, right, he believed that we should uh, advance gradually. It needs to be slow, mm-hmm. right? And he believed in us uh, becoming tradesmen, mm-hmm. having a vocation. So HVAC, which was not a thing back then, but, you know, that's... that's yeah, now we're, we're, we're bringing it to modern times, um, yeah. Right, that's why we came up with the, the A and the M's, the mm-hmm. agricultural, yep. right? Become farmers, the mechanicals, the the T's, the technical technical careers. Those are the things that you know he thought that we should focus on. So we acquire our wealth gradually, and we do it quietly, mm-hmm. right? Not draw attention to ourselves, but support our community and, and uplift. He said, "Cast your buckets where right. they are." Yeah. Right. So that means that don't leave your yeah. community. You know what I mean? Attain your wealth through vocation and through trade. Right. Um, and I think for somebody like Dubois, like, uh, oh, do what? A With plumber? A, a bucket. Right. <laughs> you right. want me to mess up this fine <laughs> suit that I've spent so much this, time? This three-piece and this ascot? <laughs> Not this ascot. Ascot? You can kiss my ascot. <laughs> um, let, me, let me not do it. But I, I think it was, uh, for me, and, and I'm, the way I think, I like to simplify things, but mm-hmm. when I think of, like, Brooker T versus the boy. It's kind of like the two sides of the same street, but they had different experiences. Right. Um, and so 
where I I understand how Du Bois is like, hey, once you get exposed to education and you see that there's a world out there, he had exposure to white people, so he knew the level of money that could be attained. Um, he was pushing it. Where I believe Booker, I, I like kind of where he was coming from because he was more so like, let's build in the black community. Right. Let's build us up. Yeah. Let's take our hands and skills that people have been stealing from mm-hmm. us. They've mm-hmm. been stealing our skills. They've mm-hmm. been stealing the things we can build. We built America with these right. hands. Yeah. Let's, let's monetize. Let's use these hands to build a black America. Yeah. Um, and because that didn't include the rest of the people in America, that's mm-hmm. I think that's where the biggest the, clash the problem. came from. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think... You know, as I got older, because I think, you know, growing up, I always thought I leaned more towards the boy. I always thought that, that was the way. Like, of oh, course I, I want to be educated. Black. Of course I want to, you know, elevate this talented 10th. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, that's that's me. We want to progress forward right. movement. But as I got older, I began to understand and see where Booker T was really coming from. Because mm-hmm. had we sort of supported that I, that that concept and that idea a little bit more, we probably would have owned a lot more right. industry. We would, have, we would have had some black, black Carnegie's. You know, right. it's like those mm-hmm. kind of things. Of, black bankers. If the money would have stayed <clears throat> in the community, we would have had these establishments. Right. And it would right. have been, and I believe, it would have been so big that nothing could have torn it down. Exactly. Right. But because we didn't have that establishment, it was easy to burn it down. It was easy to tear it down. It was easy to sabotage any kind of additional growth. Right. right. It and wasn't big enough. So exactly. do you want to be a professor or do you want to do lashes? That's 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 the Right. Thing. I want to be an entrepreneur. Yeah. Right. And yeah. I think that the, the Boulay, being that Dubois was a, a member of that organization, that was part of his agenda, was right. to get people to see... Uh, Booker T's way of thinking as the enemy. You know, we don't want to do that. That's that's beneath us. But it is not. You know, now we got. You know, uh, we we in 2021 we're still trying to to get to a place where we have a, a black Carnegie family or a black Rockefeller right. or you know what I'm saying. We don't have any of that. You know, we're looking at Jay Z and Beyonce like y- y'all gonna make some more hits or. Jay Z out here selling weed. Can you run this down man is selling weed, bro. He's he's back to where he started. <laughs> God, you know, like I don't, I don't care how sophisticated you're making it seem. Now that's exactly he's trying to do any and everything to try to just to to to, to try to even not even that. somewhat why reach wall, where the, we're the at. The Waltons, like yeah, like why is there yeah. not black people are known for cooking, for mm-hmm. growing, yeah. like for being farmers. Why is there not a superstore grocery store as big as Walmart that's black owned? Right, right. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. And I think that you know. We're seeing that now, but the amount of work and time and effort it's going to take to get to the level of a Walton or... We're generations behind. We're so far behind in that regard, you know? Have you guys seen the the documentary where Killer Mike uh, on Netflix, he like basically spends like an entire day or like a week or something and he can only use black products. Mm. Oh, that's even, right. He, he couldn't that. even like get a car, or he wow. had to walk. He was struggling, right? And then um, he could only buy like black foods and mm-hmm. groceries. Mm-hmm. It was it was a struggle. Yeah, it was an absolute struggle. It was a nightmare. Yeah, um, actually, because yeah. he was it was like, it was in Atlanta, it's right? Sad. Or he even to... a cell phone. Yeah, yeah. even a cell phone. Uh, and there is a black own cell phone company. Really? Mm-hmm. I just learned that too. Yeah. Yeah. I, I can't. We're going to chime back around. But yeah, there's a website. I have to, I'll Google it and, and share this with you guys. Um, But it's specifically for you to find black products. So is it, so the thing about Du Bois, and I always, I had this conversation a million times, is that when it comes to, I call it that uh, microwave progress, what do you sacrifice? 
Like, what do you have to give up in order to get it? And I think we're... We, we're, we, we now see. Because I think the, the reality... We're now. Yeah, I think the reality is that most of us bought in to Dubois' uh, ideals. Millennials bought into it. Yeah. yeah. Look at us. Debt. Yeah. yeah. Capitalism. This is true. We need it. We need the things. We need these iPhones. We need this Apple. Take our souls. Yeah, Apple takes. <laughs> I'm on iPhone 12, and I've had them all since four. Yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's a problem. When my six probably, or at least eight, would still work. Just to- no, not really. No, I, I, I so so they do slow. So Apple had, had like an entire lawsuit w- against them mm-hmm. because they slow the phones down after so long and I thought it was just me and then when I looked it up I was like yo no there's there's something really really wrong with my phone it's really wait, slow wait no wait wait guys this 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 black owned phone is it's not called figures that's it figures, oh, figures. communications mm-hmm. huh the F3 and it's a 5G ready cell phone too apparently. oh they have 5G okay mm-hmm. you know what I may uh get one for like to, to use for something else, or my grandma, someone who don't use it a lot, oh, okay. but just to try it out for me, I I need I do too much on my phone to. Right yeah, use now. that as your main phone. Yeah, right. figures I'm coming. Yeah, uh, just not today. Well, Jeezy is partnering with them apparently. Yeah, um, Ti I guess has that. Well, mm-hmm. he he actually they say he did a partnership with Moolah Mobile. I hadn't heard of them. Moolah Mobile is a platform that allows users to share revenue from ads. Uh, I haven't heard of any of these things, but but okay, figures. They actually have the, the phone itself, mm-hmm. um, I guess. And the, telecom is a crazy industry, though. Um, so good luck to them. If the wind blow hard, just be anchored in the lower. Yeah, and my aunt, shout out to my aunt, Gigi. She helps build cell phone towers. That's like her job. She works in telecom, and it is a really crazy industry. Like, Let's figure stock. Let me at least, I support them. I buy stock. I'll definitely support yeah. that way. I mean, if I, I can't buy a product, I'll def- if you're public stock, I'll buy stock. Yeah. And, and and we were just looking at the ad yesterday for Diddy's new um, tequila. Mm-hmm. Um, was it De Leon? De Leon. <laughs> De Leon. Uh, made by a black man. When you get a bourbon. tagline. Diddy, can we get a bourbon? I'm a bourbon girl. Scotch? I, I know, right? But he has to, I guess he's starting because he, well, he did the vodka first, and now he's... Going into the tequila world, it's about time for him to do it's some brown. It's time for brown. Like yeah. he's been in, he's been in the white for a while. Maybe he doesn't like really like brown like that. Well, he, it's not about what he likes. Read the room. But it's it's Diddy. Everybody not at the bar ordering vodka. He, but he but gonna make us end. go go get a cheesecake for that. <laughs> oh my! Making the band was the greatest thing to happen <laughs> to my generation. <laughs> Remember they were uh, doing that. Although we've got yeah, fifty million, yeah, singing out their heart for Diddy trying to win. Yeah, the band was one of the most exploitative shows. <laughs> like Let I, him fight. Let you, him fight. <laughs> die line, die line, die line. Yo, Spit hot fire. Yeah. <laughs> Top five, dead or alive. Die line, die line, die line. That shit. I still watch that as if yeah. I've never seen yeah, yeah. it. Before. What was that yeah. one song they, the, the band did? Make the band. I don't know They had that one hit song. They did have a hit song. I remember the video. Everybody was in it. Can't but tell The you. girl group, though, was lit. Danity Kane? Yeah, Danity Kane was. Oh, I thought you yeah. Dream. Oh, well, Dream, Dream wasn't on the band, They but they were a girl group. I don't even remember that. Uh, yeah. I thought you were talking about like, the singer of the Dream. 
Mm-mm. No, Dream. They they were a like group called Dream. Yeah, mm-hmm. they were like four white ish. Oh God. Yeah. I'm out. Oh, what those dudes? Those guys? No. What they were girls? They were girls. Nope. <laughs> My mom say be quiet when you don't know people. Don't 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 yeah. remember them. And the, and I mean, if we really want to talk about so so, let's go back to Garvey really quick. Okay. Right. Um. Because then I want to touch back onto that point when mm-hmm. we're talking about Diddy. Okay. So Garvey was about pretty much us getting our stuff mm-hmm. and getting up up out of like of all the diaspora. Like he spent time in Costa Rica. Okay. Um. You know, we're talking about all. Hispanics or whoever blacks wherever you are if you're a person of color we need to leave right our Mm -hmm. respective countries that we've Mm -hmm. been a part of and we need to go back to Africa that was the pan-african movement and people weren't buying so actually um, Malcolm X's parents Louise Little and Earl Little Earl Little was from um, Georgia and she was from Grenada Louise Little was from Grenada um, mixed race, um, which I find to be interesting mm-hmm. considering how radical um, she was actually more radical than yeah. So they That's met. They met because they were Garveyites. Um, so it, when I really kind of break down what Malcolm X was about, he still kind of held those same beliefs that mm-hmm. his parents, which was about not necessarily us leaving, but preservation of our community and ourselves and our integrity and the fact that we don't need white people. We don't need white approval. We just need to do better by ourselves, right? And as black men, we need to do a better job of taking care of Mm -hmm. our women and just keep everything within our community. Um, So that's kind of that that Garvey mentality. Mm. Um, But in a way, I kind of disagree. I've got like stake in this game. I'm not leaving. America. We're more American than these so-called, you know, red, white, and blue-veined Americans, in my opinion, because we built the country. We built it. We, we built, built it. it. We absolutely did. We and then you it. have some of us who have indigenous roots as well, so we've been here. Correct. We, we've been here. This is really, like, this belongs to us. We got more claim and right to it than y'all. Y'all ancestors just got through over here because you were criminals and crazy people, and Europe didn't want you. And we know how to take care of it. Right. Because if we really left tomorrow... America wouldn't sustain. No, not at all. I say that, and I think that corporate is a microcosm of that same concept. Take all your black talent out of these corporate offices. <laughs> okay. Um, the time let's, and talent. Yeah. I the corporate America. Let's let, let let's see let's see what happens then. You know, I, I believe that it it would be a totally different tune. You know, but you got some people that are so dedicated to these places, and they believe they really believe. You know the 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 Kool Aid that they sell at a lot of these companies that. They would never. I was never a Kool-Aid girl. Maybe that's why corporate America didn't work. And, and certain companies do it heavier than others. You know, there's a whole, there's a brainwashing that goes on in a lot of these corporate companies. Um, and people really start to believe that they're a part of the fabric of this company. And I'm like, mm. well, were you here when they were starting out? <laughs> if not, you can just wrap that shit up because no. <laughs> yeah, for me it was... Um, just recently, like last year with the Black Lives Matter, everything going on, I remember sitting back and like waiting for my company just to send an email. And I knew it was mm-hmm. going to be generic and I knew it was mm-hmm. going to be just, we're going to do this just because. Yeah. But I still wanted it. You can't even send out a little dusty email, we stand with you after the Breonna Taylor, like all of it. I mean, it mm-hmm. was just n- silence. Yeah. Um. When when the, the Breonna Taylor incident, um, what really hurt was that 
there was an email sent out and it wasn't about it was about the riots and that mm-hmm. was the only right. thing wow. they addressed yeah. oh, wow. the response um, too yeah, yeah. Um, uh, hey uh, be safe <laughs> and that's the best I can tell you what that email said because I, I just kind of blanked out after I read that yeah. but I was just so hurt like right. why am I going to work every day yeah. Why this, am I tethering myself to this company for 30 years? I, I would oh, never. never, never. I'm out to get everything that y'all got. It's all about me, baby. <laughs> when I walk up in there, y'all need me. That's right. Y'all need me. That's right. And if you feel differently than send me home, I really don't care. I'm talented. I got. I came in with the same thing I'm going to walk out with. I'm coming in with my walking papers. From anything. now on, I'm coming in with my walking papers. Just in basically, case pop off. I have a bag. And that, you know, well now, you know, everything's remote basically. But even before, like when I went to a, a cubicle or a desk, I got a, I had a bag. I said, if I, I will never accumulate more stuff at this desk than I can't fit in this bag within five minutes and leave. I like that. You know what I'm saying? Cause I'm not, I don't like this whole idea of getting set up where I feel like this desk is my home. This is my desk. And this is where my, you know, I've been at jobs where people, it literally looks like they live there. You know, they got, they got shit everywhere. Oh yeah. Oh, you know, yeah. they got I'm blankets like, under there. Yeah. They got heaters. cats. You got yeah, like, in the office. Karen, <laughs> take this cat home. All these pictures, and I don't live here, bro. This is <laughs> no. <laughs> I don't ever want to even get that mentality in my mind. We're family. Oh, yeah. Not if you die. Right. Until some shit go down. They gonna throw that, that all that uh, stuff you accumulate is going in the trash. Right. And exactly. And they bringing somebody else in in two to three days. Exactly. That's it. They, you know, and I think once you kind of get that in your head, I, I think watching that Ma Rainey movie was was great too because you know there's that scene where Ma Rainey's like, you know, they they don't give a damn about me, you know. As soon as I give them what they want, which is my voice, they put it down on one of those recording machines, then it's like they're gonna roll over like I'm a whore and put their pants on and I'm no I'm no different than a dog in the alley at that point, you know. And I was like, Wow, that that, that shit sounds intense and crazy, but it's it's true. It's this we want everything we can get out of you and then it's pretty much damn you after that. Hit you know, right. yeah, hit the figures. Remember right. Cassie yeah, same Johnson, thing. she did all this yeah. work, she put the report together. He couldn't even put her name on it. Yeah. You take your name off. I wish I would. <laughs> right. <laughs> Yeah, and another instance, even in uh, the My Rainy movie where they stole uh, Levy's song. He's all the time, like, trying to tell them about this new song he has, and they're like, oh, they're not really interested in it. We don't really want it. And at the very end of the movie, they show this white big band. They've taken his song, Whitewashed, which we know that in, in the music industry. Oh, that's, that happens. There's so much of that. Oh, my God. Well, I hear Elvis wouldn't be Elvis without No, him. him, Led Zeppelin. There are so many. It's so many of these white groups. Uh, you know, look, even look Beach Boys and stuff like that. Like, come on, man. These guys, they just, they, they took it and they made watered down, like, whitewashed versions of a lot of this music that came originally from black people so that's a whole nother story that's next i'm gonna come on that episode invite me back yeah yeah but okay just to kind of reset here we, we were talking about boule right moving into that now it's 2021 there seems to be this real weird obsession with people being bougie bad and bougie <laughs> real like really kind of like this is something to aspire to now right and um you know i know brit and i were talking before about back in the day you were kind of picked on for being bougie or seen as being uppity or you know ooh, you think you're this or you think you're that especially within the black community Mm -hmm. um we know a large part of this may have been due to socioeconomic differences but um you know as we were talking to you sharan we found out that it's not even that so it, it could even go beyond that and just be more of a state of mind type thing right um, or just a status based on where your own talents can take you um, and, and just experiences that kind of differentiate you from, you know, your your peers in different ways. Yeah. So 
you know, instead of being ostracized and picked on for these types of things, now it's sort of like, well, we kind of, we, we like this whole bougie thing. It's been, it's been uh, glamorized in hip hop culture and, and all of this and that. Um, so I, I took the liberty to look up the definition of bougie. Mm-hmm. And they actually saying that bougie is a hip hop slang term for something, quote, luxurious in lifestyle, yet humble in character. Wait. <laughs> That that's not what the song's talking about. Not at all, right? Because they the the whole idea behind bougie is like I'm better than I got this, I got that. I'm wearing my Fendi, I'm wearing my my Gucci designer my waist, <laughs> you know, my, my Louboutins. Um I like luxurious things and I'm better than you because I, I, I got money or I got you know, status, what have you. But the term bougie actually comes from the Latin word uh burgus. I could be saying that wrong. I'm not a Latin speaker. I'll but let it ride. B-U-R-G-U-S. <laughs> so this was described as a castle or fortified town in the literal definition. But this evolved into the French bourgeois for people who live in town rather than the countryside. So, you know, uppity city niggas, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, you live in a high-class lifestyle, I Asphalt. guess. because Yes. <laughs> the, the, the Dubois, uh, what he was after. So, you know, it, it's now become more of a term that's used to define like middle class or upperly mobile black people um urban dictionary defines it as aspiring to be a higher class than one actually is i think that's where we are with it now i think that's where we are because we've moved past that original definition right most definitely um and of course people are you know trying to do things to elevate themselves to be in these different classes where they are more they're seen more in that light where they be through different organizations jobs um, you know, if people know that you have been involved in something that they think could elevate them, they want to kind of cling to you or associate themselves with you, that hey, kind of thing. Resume, right? Yes, right. yes, that that kind of mentality. Um, so I think, and just thinking about you know where we are with it now, in the sense of people wanting to be more than what they are, um, the the whole definition behind it has really it's it's kind of like morphing and why do people all of a sudden want to be considered bougie it's not the original definition i can assure you that um, right i think it's just this that is a status bougie's um, not really clout it's the, it's the new it's clout. clout right 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 materialism mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right which we already have a problem with as black people period like we just how many people are broke and have a balenciaga sweater <sighs> i mean it's ridiculous it's a it's clout I'm bougie because I have a Balenciaga sweater, but Correct. I'm in a 97 Honda Civic. Correct. That's, that's Correct. not it. Or your bank account. Let's let's talk about that. What's what's going on with the, with the bank account? Where your investments at? 401k. Yeah. What's your right. future looking like in terms of your your financial well being? Mm-hmm. You know. But I got this Yves Saint Laurent. What you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> that ain't it. And um, I actually found this tweet uh from uh, I guess this might have been like this was actually from December um of last year but the girl the girl said if you're black and grew up spoiled and or bougie you went through a phase where those two words were very triggering for you mm-hmm. folks love to call you that to water down your blackness now look at everybody desperately wanting to be called spoiled and bougie and she got a lot of backlash for that tweet like people really came for her she um, triggered some people she triggered a hell of people um so there was actually one girl who responded to that and she said um 
you know, anytime black people that grew up middle to upper class speak on their experiences, they're invalidated by the same people that caused those experiences. And I'm tired, <laughs> laughing my ass off. Um, but most of the people were literally just like, we don't want to hear about how you were picked on for, for growing up with money and this and that, or, or, you know, like, uh, this girl, I think right above that tweet was like, I'm wondering how, if people were called bougie growing up and still call or consider themselves bougie to this day, how was that a trigger? How could you possibly feel a certain type of way about being called bougie? Because the definition has changed. Right. That's why. That's why. It, it wasn't in vogue then, That's but right. now it is, you know? So you're still invalidating her, but on the opposite side and not even recognizing that you were a part of probably something, you know what I'm saying? That could have caused people the to problem. question themselves yeah, as an individual, as a black problem. person. Right. Yeah. 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 Our thinking is the problem. Right. Right. And so like, I just think about myself personally, like growing up and um, I went to school in Jackson, Georgia from the time, like in Butts County, uh, from the time I was in kindergarten through seventh grade. And because my mom was a teacher, the way these small towns back then were set up, you know, you got put in certain classes. You were always kind of with certain kids mm -hmm. because their parents had certain professions and things like that. Um, oh, yeah, they it didn't was. They do that in Myrtle Beach. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. It so was, wait, based on your parents' profession, you got... Like, it was the parents networking, and so the kids got put together? Pretty much. Like, all the teacher's kids, like, if their parents were, like, lawyers or doctors or notable people in the community, we were kind of grouped together. They had like, you know, like, especially in middle school, like, you know, you had teams mm -hmm. and there was like a team and it was like all black kids. It was to the point where, cause I didn't even realize, cause I had basically been going to school with these kids since I was a kid, mm -hmm. you know, like kindergarten. So I remember sitting in class one day in sixth grade and realizing for the first time that I was the only black person in the class. Mm -hmm. And it freaked me the fuck out because, you know, it's, I know these people, I'm, their faces I recognized, I'm comfortable, but it didn't dawn on me that I was the only one until then. And I remember it being, because I, I was very quiet, I didn't really talk like that, because I used to get in trouble a lot when I was like in like kindergarten, first grade. I was always telling stories and making jokes, trying to make people laugh and getting in trouble. I got tired of getting in trouble, so I was just like, fuck it, I'm just gonna read these books and be quiet. Don't talk to me. Oh, yeah, um, so similar childhood. <laughs> really? <laughs> yes, just different sides of the track. <laughs> <laughs> um, but they were like, yeah, this is, look at Brittany. She's always so quiet and this and that. And I remember, like, the whole class kind of, like, looking at me. And I was like, I'm the only black person in this fucking class. And you were probably that token black friend, unfortunately. Yeah, I was definitely a token, yeah. for sure. Um, they had me sitting in gifted classes, even though I wasn't technically gifted. Yeah. Uh, you know, um, but all because of who my mom was. Yeah. Wow. Um, wow. so, so think about those kids that don't have that. Just because, yeah. yeah. Wow. Right. So these things that kind of help shape a version of reality for you that, you know, based on something that you didn't even have anything to do with, you're just mm -hmm. there and they're yeah. making these decisions kind of for you and it's, and it's shaping you and molding you into this, this whole person. Wow. Um, I think my experience was. I, did, I was never called spoiled or bougie, mm -hmm. but I was definitely teased based on you know, the classes I had, um, the friends I had, and it had nothing to do with me. It was just because I was educated, and in Myrtle Beach, it was it, it, uh, the educated was mostly white students, mm -hmm. um, or they had more exposure, and so... Um, from the time I want to say fifth, sixth grade, when they start taking those classes of splitting you up between honors and that regular class, um, I was 99% of the time, the only black student. Wow. Um, and 
it got worse as I went toward high school because in you know now I'm taking AP classes and all of those and so um, for a long time it was kind of like you know an ATL where you got the kids that get the air conditioning right. and you got the kids that they just figure it out it felt like that mm-hmm. um, and so a lot of my friends growing up were predominantly white it, I didn't know that it was a bad thing at the time because mm-hmm. when I got on the school bus to go home, I didn't live in the wealthy neighborhoods like mm-hmm. the kids I went to school with. So on the bus ride, it was the homies. What right. up, Sheree? Sheree on the bus. <laughs> right. And so I almost had to, not necessarily be bipolar, but I had two identities most That's of right. my yep. life because I had to be this, you know, up kept uppity Negro at school right. mm-hmm. and, and excel and try to keep a 99 average because we were very competitive yeah. and we were that what you made oh you made a 99 mm-hmm. I made a 99 yep. and a half or I made a 103 because I did the extra credit like yeah. that competitive we all were very smart but it was so intense yeah. I cried the first time I made a B right. um, which was in college <laughs> and I had these um, female mentors that, that they don't know it but I let them take me under their wings mm-hmm. because I didn't get that exposure at home. Mm-hmm. I didn't yeah. know about college. I didn't right. know about Greek life. The only reason I'm a Delta today is because my ninth grade teacher is a Delta mm-hmm. and we still keep in contact today. Um yeah. and so I get when people say, Hey, um, you're you know, come back to the bougie conversation. I got called you're a white girl. Yeah. Yep. That's the um, Oreo. Oh, yeah. Oh, you're big. Yeah. Like, oh, you taught white. Yeah. Um, yeah. I got that a lot. And so, and then I even almost became a mean girl because I would start like teasing people before they can tease me. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just became this toxic of, I, I'm going to crack jokes on you before you can crack jokes on me. Mm-hmm. Um, and it took a lot of therapy in college to break that habit. But it did become a defense mechanism because I got picked on. Yeah. Because of my... And I'm like, I'm poor like you. <laughs> right. I'm literally like not stealing yeah. books from right. the library. Yeah. Nobody come hit me. But I'm like, you, I can't afford to pay a late fee on a library. Right. 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 The book fair that didn't have the money. Right. It was, it was always uncomfortable. Yeah. Whether I was with my, you know, my neighborhood friends or I was with my classmates because they had money and I didn't. And then my neighborhood friends didn't have the exposure or the experiences that I had. Right. So I was always like that middle, not ugly duckling, but definitely just kind of a, a you know, a black yeah. sheep. Yeah. 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 And the boy does kind of talk about that idea of like twoitness, right? And then we have that concept of code switching and right. things like that. So those things have worked to our benefit. I feel like now as adults, because we know how to we know how to turn it turn on and it turn, on it off. turn it off. But going through adolescence trying to balance those two things, that's. That's heavy it's, stuff, it's man. And you, cool you don't now. even know who you yeah. are really yet. So, and you're trying to balance two worlds. Like, you know, even in, you know, it, though it may have been in different ways, it's very, you know, you, you can low-key feel a little bit schizophrenic because you're like, well, who, who, who is the true me? What is, what's going on? Yes. <laughs> and, and I feel like I, that actually worked to my detriment. So my dad, um, you know, I shared on the previous podcast that he's, you know, a retired colonel and in middle school, we lived in, I lived in Japan, and during that time, you know, um, I think I was trying to come into myself, and at this time, he also became, like, the commander of our post. So, essentially, this is, like, Barack Obama, Michelle Obama, and then I'm, like, Sasha and Malia. So, all eyes are, like, on me, yep. but I'm just, like, no, I would just want to be, like, everybody else. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I'm acting out. I'm doing dumb stuff. You know, trying to fit in because even in the military, there's a breakdown between enlisted people and officers. Right. Right. right? And so I'm, 
you know, most of the kids that I wanted to hang out with, they were enlisted, enlisted. And I'm doing things that really I had no business doing and acting in ways I had no business acting. Um, and I really kind of suffered because of that. I wasn't able to be my true self. And because of that, I really wound up going through and putting my parents through a bunch of shit. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And so after that, I was just kind of like, you know what? I don't if I don't fit this mold and if yeah. I'm got to do all this crazy shit, that's really not me. And mm-hmm. it doesn't win me any friends. It doesn't win anything anyway. Fuck what's, what's, yeah. What is the point? Yeah. What is the point? So I'm going to listen to my NSYNC. And it's, <laughs> we all it's actually listen to NSYNC. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 For yeah. sure. And, and I'm not ashamed it about it. I'm yeah. not going to be ashamed about it. If I don't fit in into, to this little checkbox, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Then fuck it. Yeah, exactly. I, I remember being picked on one time. I think I was maybe like in fourth or fifth grade. And I don't even know why he was on me. You know, by this time I was, I was reading books nonstop. Like, I'm just, I'm at lunch. Let me read my book, bro. Like, he just kept messing with me. And I remember I just got so tired of it that I literally looked up and told him, I was like, you know, I'm not mad that you're picking on me like this because the only reason you're doing this is because your mom didn't teach you any better. Oh my goodness. He got so mad. Like, he went and told him. This is one of the bad kids that was always acting up, like, you know, like, I guess trying to be a class clown, whatever. Like, he's supposed to be, like, hard and this and that. Went and told the teacher. <laughs> I feel like it was one of those moments, like, from Minnesota Society. It's like, I feel sorry for your mother. Oh, no. <laughs> you ran his home. Right. <laughs> age did you realize like i'm just gonna be me it ain't cool to do both sides it took me a like it took me till part of my 20s to figure that out yeah i was gonna say probably towards the end of high school because i made a conscious decision that i'm no longer gonna be hanging out with white girls all the time i'm gonna go and sit at the black kids table that was like Mm. 10th grade okay i went and bought Mm. (laughs) it sounds so lame but i went and bought all my urban wear i went and bought like some baby fat um, I had some apple bottom jeans, mm. like, cause I wasn't wearing them. I was wearing Abercrombie and like, you know, Aeropostale. Yeah, and American yeah. Eagle and all of that, yeah. all of that shit. So I was like, yeah, I really want to make a valiant effort to be friends with people that look like me, mm-hmm. because otherwise, if I keep going on the track that I'm going, I'm gonna end up going to like UGA. I'm gonna like, you know, be a cheerleader until to the end of high school, cause I knew I was probably gonna wait too much to do it in college. <laughs> but like, I was gonna have a white roommate. Like, it was gonna be all of that. I, I was headed down that path and I didn't want to go that way because I was like I feel like as I get older real shit happened these white these white people ain't gonna really be for me like that like they real nice and you know they 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 like me they want me to hang out they invite me to their parties that's great but I know too much and my mom made sure that I you know went to the hood I went to the the flea market Mm -hmm. (laughs) and I went to places where I was exposed to To you know black culture and you know because I was so much in that world. She didn't want me to be. You know, my mom grew up in the project. So she's like, she mm-hmm. couldn't have me just out here one-sided all the way. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So um, I knew that. Right, right. I knew, that's part of what influenced my decision to go to HBCU. Even though, you know, my mom went, my aunt went. So I'm basically third generational. But I was just tired of being around white people all the time. I just mm-hmm. was sick of it. You know what I'm saying? And I felt like I couldn't really be my true, authentic mm-hmm. self. Fucking I do regret the, not the going gym. to HBCU, though. Like, the way I've really? been hyping up. Uh, I was like, you know, I probably, but so it was just, uh, so I didn't really like, you know, get my fresh pair of glasses, I guess, until like college. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so I went to a PWI because that's all I was exposed to. Yeah. And most of my friends were going to Winthrop. And so I'm going to Winthrop. Um, okay. And I knew I had some kind of tether back home because if I went off to a HBCU, I didn't know anybody. Um, there True. was no financial backing to help me get home if something happened. Yeah. I knew I had friends that if something happened, their parents would step in and help. Right. Um, and so 
I didn't really get my introduction to this is who you are until I pledged Delta. Until mm. I got involved in a lot of these organizations on campus that really showed me like it's cool to be black. It's cool That's to right. be a black nerd. Yeah. Like, it's cool yeah. to it's cool to like country music and opera That's right. and gospel but trap music. That's right. Um it's cool to do all those things and so while I, I I didn't go to HBCU, I spent a lot of time at homecoming. So everybody homecoming saw me at some point yeah. in the four years of college. Um, and then after college, God made it the way, so I ended up in Greensboro. So I yeah. had a lot of um, uh, was the A uh, and T homecoming. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yeah. but I went G-ho, to Jeho. That's it. The, <laughs> the whole part was leaving me. Um, <laughs> I done changed my life. But uh, <laughs> yeah, so like I went to Jeho AGP. Um, mm-hmm. and so like mm-hmm. all of these experiences yeah. because of college. Yeah. Uh, the, any Delta conference you go to, you are gonna mm-hmm. get a shock of what it is yeah. to be a strong black woman, yeah. an educated black woman. Yeah. A proud it's amazing. black woman of, of, of what you're trying to grow to become. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, and while I said my ninth grade teacher was a Delta, and it, mm-hmm. it really did start that path of showing me it's okay to just be you, yeah. regardless of who that is and who you're talking to. And yeah. that's me in corporate America a lot. That's right? so funny because my mom, she, she's influenced students to become Deltas before, too, that didn't maybe have, like, generational ties mm-hmm. or what, what have you. Um but that's that's so funny because I I think it didn't dawn on me that it was even cool to be all these different facets of but like I didn't understand that blackness wasn't a monolith for real for real until I got to an HBCU like I met some of the smartest people I've ever met in my life at the HBCU like you know weird people people who were in the comics people who were in the you know all these different things that you just didn't think you would meet other black people that are you know what I mean like that so um, yeah that was really cool a very eye opening one of the best decisions that I could have made because it's just like where else are you really going to find that 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 much richness and uh, that 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 spectrum of blackness? You know what I mean? Right. So that's pretty cool. I cried the first time I could talk about Harry Potter with another black female, <laughs> oh, like wow. like another black friend, like a yeah. girl in the student union talking about Harry Potter. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. My entire high school, I couldn't talk like that. Like, right. We mm-hmm. couldn't talk urban and Harry mm-hmm. Potter. It always had to be a little more white in Harry Potter. Yep. Right. But to be able to talk just freely, oh, yeah. it was so exhilarating. Yeah. No, that's that's a, a real thing. And that's kind of, you know, what's kind of bonded me with Brittany is that it is very rare to talk on so many different levels yeah. with one person. You have to kind of section out your friends. It's like, mm-hmm. okay, this is my friend when I want to be ratchet. This is my other friend yep. for when I want to do, <laughs> you know, talk about... Got categories. Right, right, right. <laughs> no, but it's but to find all of that in, in one friendship, you know, it's, it's very yeah, rare. Because it's rare. as black people, we are taught to be ashamed mm. of being different. You know what I'm saying? So it's just like, ah. And, yeah. and when you have that men, that mentality, because I did. I went through this, guys. I'm just coming out of this. Um, <laughs> I was literally nine different people because mm-hmm. I had the turn-up friend. I had the intellectual friend. Yep. I had the road-tripping friend. That's right. But outside of that thing I needed from that person, I had to become someone else for them. For yeah. them. That's, That's right. right. To stay free. Yeah. That's so right. if I want to keep road-tripping with that person, I have to become whoever they need me to be so I can keep that road trip and friend. It's exhausting. And it's it hard, is. It's hard it's to maintain exhausting. friendships for me. Number one, because of, you know, the fact that I'm a military brat. And then two, only child, like, I'm yeah. I'm my own best friend. <laughs> and then the other part is, Facts. <laughs> I, can't, I can't be so many different people 
to so many yeah. different people. It's very draining. All the time. Very draining. Exhausting. You know you, what I mean? You like I get schizophrenic all the yes. time. You're, you're so many yeah. people yes. at yeah. one time. Yeah. And you have to turn it on and off. It's exhausting. Yeah, yeah. It, it really is. It really is. When we talk about boule and bougie, it's really interesting to kind of see that whole progression of where these things started and kind of where they are now. Um, definitely wanted to recommend, though, some some reading for you guys to kind of like keep this this conversation going. If you're interested in, in learning more about um, uh, Garveyism and Marcus Garvey just in general, definitely check out um, Selectus. Selected speeches. Yeah, so selected writings and speeches of Marcus Garvey. Um, there's also an article that we're going to link you guys to in the description for this episode uh, from Face to Face Africa, and it, it actually poses the question: Was the Boulay fraternity created to destroy Marcus Garvey and his Back to Africa movement? Um, there's a really cool documentary that kind of talks about the history of HBCUs, and it touches on Dubois and, and Booker T. Washington called "Tell Them We Are Rising: The Story of Historically Black Colleges and Universities." And um, it's it's pretty cool. Um, it I think it came on PBS originally, okay. uh, but it, it kind of gives you a nice little overview of, of mm -hmm. that whole the whole history of that. I also recommend uh, uh, Black Labor, White Wealth uh, by Claude Anderson, which is a really good book um, if you really want to start dissecting um, how we attain our our wealth um, in the Black community. So yeah. I thought another interesting book that might be cool to check out too is called uh, "Why Are All the Black Kids Sitting Together in the Cafeteria?" I, I, yeah, I, heard of that book. I actually found that book at Goodwill, like really? of all places. Yeah, and it's by Beverly Daniel Tatum. Um, and I actually I've only kind of like skimmed through it, so I'm gonna go back and like actually check, you know, read it and, and see what that's about. But I think it's more so kind of a the psychology behind like why we like to just kind of associate with our own groups and for me you know like I told you guys I, I made that conscious decision in high mm -hmm. school to do that mm -hmm. and that that whole like before school starts like in the cafeteria where people are kind of at their tables that's right um that was a conscious very you know decision to me mm -hmm. you could see it clearly like there's not that many black kids that were at my high school at the time so there was only maybe like two tables of us. <laughs> you, also, you learned a lot about people at cafeteria. Even yes. if it, it wasn't necessarily black or white, but like you learned the students who had dinner together mm -hmm. um, because they mm -hmm. were more comfortable talking yep. um, at the lunch table yep. versus the kids who you just ate how you ate when you got home. And they and they would get up a lot. They walked yeah. back and forth. They're always. They would never yeah. see them because they're not used to be like being there. You get the kids who brought lunches versus yep. the kids who had to go yeah. get lunch. And yep. so for me, it was it was always interesting. To, I table hopped a lot. And so yeah, I kind of see okay. what was going on in, in kind of every community of the cafeteria. That's right. yeah. Yeah, that's right. yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess I kind of did too, in a sense, because I never had like just this one, one group. Click. Yeah. yeah, I was. A I was. Yeah, definitely, yeah. definitely. The floater. only group I didn't hang out with was like the Goths, but I like had acquaintances. That I was I cool had. with a lot of Goths. Yeah. Goth kids were actually cool as fuck. They no, they are. are. Yeah, yeah. They were. I always hung out with them in PE when I didn't want to do stuff because they, <laughs> yeah, they never, they never did shit. I was over there like, I'm not doing it either. Dope. But yeah, um these are all really, really great, great reads. Yeah. And um we'll probably kinda help you get get oh, if you guys wanna listen to some Earl Sweatshirt, I'll put that that line in there. There's a song called Chum that he has where he's like, Too black for the white kids and too white for the blacks. Mm. And uh, I remember hearing that for the first time and I was like, damn, he gets it. Well, Lawyer Squad is, is, is yes. really like 
Yeah, the the prototype like they of for for, for black, this yeah, category yeah, of people <laughs> who, who are not black but not white. Yeah, just we're just exist. weirdos. Yeah, and that's <laughs> and like it's okay. A fucking amazing show. It Water is. Squad. Shout out to Water Squad. Yeah, they, they they do still show reruns. Yeah, yeah. 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 I want my money, nigga. I want my money. <laughs> I want my money, nigga. <laughs> you you do that impression so well. <laughs> oh man. Great but yeah, stuff. we thank you guys for listening. Uh, episode three. It's in the episode back. Episode yep. three. Yep. Thanks so much, Shireng, for joining us. Yeah, thanks, Shireng. Thanks for our great This was talk. exciting. Y'all going to have to keep me off it now. I'm going to ask myself, <laughs> can I come back? Can I come back? <laughs> yes. Um, I love always it. welcome uh, back. Hey, listeners. Uh, one little tip of advice. Invest in a black bank sometime this year. Find a black bank, invest right. in it. Right. Um, I know, was it Killer Mike had Greenwood? That's mm-hmm. right. Not, they don't pay me. I'm not promoting them. But uh, I would say this is a time, in the words of Booker T. Washington, let's let's bring some money back to our communities. Right. Yeah. Yep. Thanks for listening to Two Bees in the Trap with your host, Brittany M. And Brittany W. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. And don't forget to join us next week. And be sure to subscribe and also invite your friends to listen to us too. You can also follow us on Instagram and Twitter. See you next time. Bye. It's Brittany, bitch.